Chapter 3 Hoofbeats on the Prairie Once upon a time, according to an old Mandan legend, the camp crier told all the people in the village to gather at its edge. Our little friend is leaving us, he said. And the little friend said, Don't cry, I'll be back some day, and when I return, I'll be much changed, and you may not recognize me. But those who keep the stories will know who I am. Remember, I am the one who eats the grass. When I come back, I will be tall as man and swift as the wind. I will be strong so I can carry much on my back. Maybe two or three men or maybe heavy packs. I'll be gone for a while. Don't forget me. Shortly after their return to the new world, horses swept through the desert and plains like a fast-moving secret. They partnered up quickly with Native Americans, players taking to the script with astonishing ease. From the Apache and Comanche, to the Zuni, to the Hopi, to the Navajo, to the Ute, from the Shoshone, to the Flathead, Crow, and Nez Perce, from the Arapaho, to the Ponca, the Cheyenne, the Sioux, the Mandan, and the Ojibwa, and beyond, horses allied with tribe after tribe. Perhaps not in that exact order, but the deed was done, and by the early 1700s, it was as if their kind had never disappeared from their native turf. Certainly, it is hard to picture the Native American on foot, and even remember that this was once his situation. Westerns and dime novels rarely featured an Indian who was walking, and as we imagine him today, he is generally on a horse, and he and his animal are decorated for war. Yet, in the beginning, the horse was far from a partner in arms. The first known contact between horses and the Indians of the North America happened soon after the arrival of Francisco Vaquez de Coronado in 1539. Leading a caravan of 300 men and 558 horses from Mexico into what was later known as the American Southwest, Coronado trekked for three years across thousands of miles through Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, and finally Kansas on what proved to be a fruitless quest for gold. Along the way, many Indians met the animals that would transform their world. Like the Aztecs, some natives were afraid at first. Others, like the Hopi in Arizona, laid down ceremonial rugs in their path. The Acoma Indians in New Mexico desired their power. When they saw the caravan passing, they descended from their sky city on a giant butte, took the horse's sweat, and anointed themselves. Soon, tribes began to simply take the horses. By the time Coronado died in 1554, having suffered for years after being kicked in the head by a horse, the Apache were stealing Mustangs from the ranches in Santa Fe and undergoing a radical change from poverty to wealth. For the next 200 years, many tribes across the land followed a similar path, taking horses from other tribes, the cavalry, and from missions, as well as capturing them from herds that were beginning to flourish in the wilderness. In the swift four-legged, the Indians found a kindred spirit who, like other animals, was a friend and teacher with great powers. Horses are gods, the elders told a Hadassah boy who guarded the herds. Treat them well. 
They have minds and understand. Like the ancient Greeks, Hebrews, and Muslims before them, Indians sang praise to the horse, but their praise was even more eloquent, with more tones and layers. In the horse, they saw not only the stars, the rivers, the elements, but also the land, the very wild that was their home. His mane and tail moved like the grasses in the wind, sang the Chicksaw. His foot was like a striped agate, sang the Navajo. His legs like lightning, his tail like a trailing black cloud. His mane was of short rainbows. His eyes were stars, his teeth of white shells. No other animal took the Indian to such stunning flights of fancy. No other took him to the glory of his greatest days.